welcome to episode three of Your Ageless Musical Brain. I'm your host, Luz Elena Blanco, and my very special guest today and subject matter expert is Gregory Udan, a human movement scientist who specializes in dance science and dance for health. Gregory is a certified Pilates teacher who, by the way, just like me, appreciates the arts. On today's show, we'll focus on his work in Dance for Health and his work with older adults and people with neurological diseases such as Huntington's and Parkinson's disease in relation to brain health. Gregory, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor. Please tell our listeners what dance science refers to. So dance science is really just the scientific study of dance, right? The scientific method applied to dance, if you will. Um, it really gets divided into two kind of entities, one being health for dancers. So looking at orthopedic conditions, looking at injuries and trying to kind of prevent them. Um, or dance for health, which is studying the health benefits inherent of dance programs for people, you know, like older adults or people with neurological conditions or or just anybody who wants to dance because um, there's a lot of different health benefits from it. How is human movement affected by neurological conditions? So the brain, right, is more dedicated to human movement than it is to language, right? Like if we think about it, right, like writing um, anything requires the movements of our hand or a pen or even speaking requires movement of the vocal cords, right? So everything that we do is really based around movement, right? And in, you know, like the early days, you were moving to go get food. So a lot of the brain is actually dedicated to movement. So when things start to happen in the brain, it can affect human movement in a variety of ways, right? Like there's not just one way that it can affect it. Um, Some of it may be, you know, maybe more disease specific, but also it really depends on the area of the brain that's being affected. So, for example, some people with Parkinson's get a tremor um, where what typically is um, kind of a shaking motion um, yeah. and they have a lot of um, movement slowness. So their movement gets smaller and slower and it becomes much more difficult to move, right? Where Huntington's on the opposite end of that spectrum gets a, too much movement, right? Like they get what's called chorea, which stems from Latin for dance, right? So choreography comes from chorea as well. And they have almost uncontrollable jerky movements that look like a dance. And it used to be called St. Vitus's dance back in the day. So, you know, there is this, um, this connection of what happens in the brain that kind of stems down through human movement, um, depending on the area and the function of the brain that's affected. I mean, you know, there's functional movement disorders that can happen as a result of an accident, right? Also, um, disability, right, is a, a group of people, right? But it's something that we can, like, cross over at any time, right? Because I'm not disabled right now, or I identify as non-disabled, that doesn't mean that later in my life I, I won't become disabled, right? Like, there can be an accident or you know, some other thing that causes me to have this effect, right? There's also things that we're not necessarily thinking about that might affect our movement, right? Like if I sprain my ankle, 
right? That's going to affect the way that I'm walking, which is also going to impact my brain, right? Because that's going to go back and kind of change the way that I have to balance and the way that I have to walk on it. And the brain is, um, is really plastic, which just means that it can kind of keep changing it, right? Based on all of these conditions that, that come up. So, you know, it's not this one thing, but it's a constant kind of push and pull and evolution that happens within our brain. What about the Haiti Latsky dance that you are a board member of? Could you expand on that? So Heidi Latsky, I, I, I was a professional dancer um, and I danced with Heidi for about eight years um, before joining the board. Heidi is a physically integrated dance company. It's not um, dance for health because we're not trying to kind of study or, or cure or get any kind of health benefits, right? It's just, here is art that uses disabled and non-disabled dancers. Um, Heidi is really interested in kind of the, the spectrum, I would say, between virtuosity and vulnerability. And where do those, those two things meet and, and intersect? Um, so I, you know, I spent a lot of time um, working with Heidi one of the pieces that I did uh, was um, a duet with Deron Herman, uh, who is a dancer um, with spastic cerebral palsy and hemiplegia. So the left side of his body is very stiff, and the right side of his body is is much more fluid, um, if you if you will, in kind of easy to understand terms. Heidi taught him a solo that she had created for herself, and then she asked me to learn it in his interpretation, so that we would do it in unison together. So that was a really interesting process for me because, you know, going back to the brain, it was like, well, how are you balancing like that? Like, that's not how my brain tells me to balance, right? So it was definitely a learning experience from the two of us to be able to, you know, work collaboratively to, to put together a duet in unison. I think um, a few things is that the people in the company, whether they're disabled or non-disabled, are professional dancers. It's a company of just professional dancers. So Irregardless of disability, they're, they're professional dancers, right? And the other thing I think is that, like, you know, Heidi's work draws a lot from disability justice. So she first created um, the GIMP project many years ago um, that I was in the second cast for. And the original cast had um, three non-disabled and three disabled dancers. Um, and the three disabled dancers were very um, political, right? Like with a word like GIMP, it was very in your face. Her work tends to shy away um, a lot from inspiration, right? The other thing is that, like, quote unquote, normal, right? What is normal? Because disability is actually a, a part of the human condition, right? Like we don't know if we'll become disabled at any point in time, right? Or even like the U.S. government um, considers pregnancy a disability, right? Because it changes your movement and it changes your ability to do things. Or like I wear contacts, that can be a disability, right? That might be quote unquote normal. So you know, I think just also kind of thinking about the work in, in that context of humanity. You started in uh, Juilliards. Um, I did not. I started at Hofstra University in Long Island. But um, this past year, I was um, the Dance Anatomy Teaching Fellow at the Juilliard School working with um, Irene Dowd or working as her teaching fellow. What recent studies or insights have they learned about... Uh, or the connection, the important connection between dance, movement, and the brain. Right. Like the dancers at Juilliard are very elite um, dancers that are highly, highly trained over many years. And that changes your brain. 
the way that your brain functions and the parts of it dedicated to movement and even to um, to tasks grow and to continue to develop. Um, the, the way that they have to go about it, right? It's not just putting my body in place. It's getting my brain to do it. It's timing it to music. It's remembering. It's emoting. It's creating. It's adding my own spin to it, right? It's all of these things that are happening in the moment. And so it's a very, um, it's a very cognitive task, right? It's, it's actually very cognitively demanding. And then, you know, I think the other thing, right, is um, we exercise, right, like is super good for brain health, but we don't always kind of, we think of it being good for the body as if the body and the brain are two different things, exactly. right? Um, coming yeah. back to that Cartesian kind of dualism, you know, of Descartes, I think, therefore I am, where he really thought that they were separate because he could think and that that was a separate entity. But, um, you know, even in, in Parkinson's and Huntington's disease, right, like a lot of the research has shown that um, high intensity exercise or like very cardio based exercise, you know, can have a neuroprotective effect on the brain and kind of protect a lot of this. Um, not that it won't, you know, degrade over time, but that we can kind of slow or, or intervene with these things, that's thought to be because of the increased blood flow to the brain, right? And this increased blood flow to the brain has this neuroprotective effect. Yes. And Gregory, I think it is so important, the fact that you're talking about this because exercise, intense work, like you're describing, right? Like aerobics, for example, am I right? All of those things affect the brain in a very positive way and leads to, it is thought to lead to uh, neurogenesis as opposed to the contrary of what for so many years people tend to think, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm getting older. That means I'm getting weaker. No. In other words, we can help ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think as a society, right, we very much undervalue um, the role of the arts and, yeah. you know, the, also the, <laughs> the role of exercise. I mean, Robert Butler, who was the director of the National Institute of Aging said, if exercise was a pill, it would be the most widely prescribed pill in the nation, yeah. right? Because of its exactly. beneficial effects. Yeah. But exercise isn't a pill, right? Like you can't just kind of take it and, and be done, right? Like it's something that we have to do, something that we have to be motivated to do. It also has that social kind of element, right? And right. this is where dance can come in because it is that cognitive task of thinking and remembering and sequencing and putting everything together. There's the exercise, not that dance is just exercise, it's so much more than exercise, but it also has that physicality of moving my body in space. And then there's also the social element, because right. loneliness is also a pandemic on the brain, right? It um, and depression, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. There has been shown that loneliness is correlated to, to mortality, right? Like if you are an older adult and you feel very lonely, that leads to, can lead to sooner death, right? So like there are like major impacts of, of this, right? And the thing is that we tend to isolate our older adults, right? We tend not to let them do things. And like creativity is also just huge for all of us. And like, when did creativity not become a skill that we want to cultivate? It's not something that we do when we're in our 20s, because I hear a lot of people saying, oh, no, I used to say, oh, you know, I'm too old for that now. Subject matter experts like yourself are trying to promote this idea, this awareness of how important dance is, how important movement, human movement is. We have to move. So I think that that also comes back to this, um, this stigma around what does the word dance mean because everybody interprets dance differently right and like a lot of people think dance 
And the first thing that they think of is like a white ballerina on point shoes, right? With like a tutu and a tiara. And they're going, I can't do that. But that's not what we're asking you to do. Dance is so much more. It's a cultural element, right? Like I, um, my background is Dominican, right? And even before I ever stepped foot into a formal dance studio to take a ballet class, I grew up dancing merengue with my family. And that's a form of cultural dance education, right? Yeah. Like, and that is just as valuable. So, you know, I also think we're looking at things historically, right? Like what's left behind is this culture, right? We look at the art of people that are left behind. We look at the writings, we look at the narratives, right? So arts and culture is, is really, really important. But dance gets kind of left out of those conversations a lot because it's the most fleeting, right? Like it exists in the moment, like without a video documentation of it now, you know, like it just exists in the moment of the beholder. And that's beautiful. With regards to connecting to their senses when it comes to doing it intimately, doing it by themselves. Well, I mean, you know, again, it comes back to that like stigma around it because like a lot of times people are like, oh my God, you're teaching dance for Parkinson's. What are you doing to those people? Right. Mm. <laughs> but it starts in a chair. And then there's a lot of autonomy. Do you want to stand up? Do you want to sit down? Do you want to hold on to the chair? Right? Like, what is it meaningful to you? Like, I don't have to, quote, unquote, set choreography, like you can do it bigger, you can do it smaller, you can go slower, you can go faster, you get to make all of these choices within it, right? And that's what makes a good artist, right? A dancer is yeah. all of those choices. But that's also what we want and crave as humans is that autonomy and control over our own lives. Right. And also the emotions. I, I can picture them smiling at you when you bring out the best in them. Is that right? Okay. Right. Because I'm not, um, I'm not a therapist in any way, right? I'm a, a dance artist that's providing dance programming to these people. So when they come to me, it's not therapy. It's not anything. It's here's a dance program for you and you can experience it in the way that, that you want. But you're hitting on something that's so important is the value of joy. Yeah. Right. And joy is completely undervalued. So like, you know, my, my classes and a lot of these dance for health classes, joy is a key value, a key core value, right? How do you bring joyful movement? Especially when, you know, in some of these diseases, movement has become like, you know, um, something that you don't necessarily want to think about, or you don't want to face because you can't move the way that you did when you were 20, but nobody can, right? Like I don't move the same way as I did when I was 20. So, you know, kind of finding that joy in the now and in the You movement. don't? Are you sure, Greg? Yeah, I do not <laughs> move the same sure? way as when I was in my 20s. <laughs> I move still well, but a lot differently, mm -hmm. right? And like, it, I'm not going to move the same way in 40, 50, 100, <laughs> you know, yeah, years right, from right. now. It's going to, it's going to keep evolving because my body's evolving and my mm -hmm. brain is evolving. So it's right. a constant dynamic of where is that interplay between them. Right. But the joy that it brings is what makes the yeah. difference because that's, that's what allows an individual to better their quality of life. And yeah, not feel I mean, isolated. Not feel isolated, right? And just, I, who wants to be viewed as a patient? Exactly. Right? Like, we don't like going to doctor's offices right. because there's the stigma of being sick, right? Exactly. Or like being yes. less than. So, like, why isn't the dance studio a place that I can go and soar? Right. And leave myself and leave everything and just dance. Yeah. Because for some individuals, meditation 
is a way in which they connect to their emotions. Others like myself, for example, I don't know what it is, Greg, but when I hear salsa, it just transforms me and I know it's working in the brain. I just know it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's right. And there's, you know, I often get asked, like I get asked questions like, well, what's the best type of dance for, for people, whatever you enjoy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you know, if you, like, I know people that are teaching like, you know, classical Indian and Kathak and Nama to, you know, um, dancers with Parkinson's. I also know people that are teaching salsa and merengue, right? Or, or modern in ballet, right? Like kind of any of those things. So it's really interesting, right? When we kind of try to put one on this hierarchy, right? Yeah. Of like, well, which one's the best? Or like, what music should I be using, right? Well, like, what do they like? Yeah, like yeah. if you don't, if you don't enjoy it, mm-hmm. you're not going to come back mm-hmm. and you're not going to have the health benefits because you're miserable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, find the joy. <laughs> dance and be miserable. Uh, you got to do something else, right? Think yeah. about something else. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, dance isn't uh, like, right. It's not a pill and it's not a one size fits all. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I always tell people like, you might not like my class. That's fine. Go try a few other teachers. See if you like their class. And then if you still don't like the classes, Maybe the dance isn't the thing for you, right? Like maybe boxing or Pilates or, you know, a creative writing or, you know, any of these other, um, you know, painting, things like that are are really beneficial to you. But like you have to have that autonomy and choice and what makes you cultivate that joy. Right, right. The drive. Yes, absolutely. Greg, the information you are sharing is so valuable. I can't wait to have you on the show again. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, I think it's just a joy to kind of share all of the information. And, you know, I think to destigmatize and de-silo it because people have been doing Dance for Health for centuries, right? They just didn't call it Dance for Health. Like we danced in our communities. We went to healers. We went to things, right? Like before it ever kind of got quote unquote medicalized or put into this medical model. So I think it's just really important, right? Like the things that we're talking about today, like there are those health brain health benefits that are coming to it. And there's that joy, right? Like it's something that sparks something in us. Yes, absolutely. And yes. And when we dance, we live that moment, whatever it is, dance, music, and the arts. Greg, I thank you so much. And I look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye. Gracias. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Thank <laughs> you.